Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the China Shop. Thanks for coming by. Get your asses inside. We got another amazing special guest episode for you today. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? Who cares? We've got a great guest I want to talk to. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) We are joined today by legendary MMA fighter (laughs) slash Wall Street badass Paul Homie. How are you doing today, Paul? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. Don't forget two-time best-selling author. Don't forget he fought a shark, punched his eye out. (laughs) I saw that movie. Wasn't there tornadoes, too? (laughs) Yeah, no no sharks for me. Those things are scary as hell. Uh, how are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great. I'm melting up here in Texas, so it's mm. it's it's wild oh. right now. But we're getting there. We'll get through it. It's funny because I we grew up in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife was was from Phoenix, so like she's 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 used to that that kind of heat. And we're up in Illinois now, and like we get days where like everybody else is melting. It's 90, and we're still out walking in the mornings. Like oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> I guess a beautiful morning. <laughs> yeah, here you, here you wake up and it's 85 degrees. It's like come on. It's 85 and humid too. Oh, Dude, yeah, it's rough. It's I hate that feeling like going into the garage and it's just suddenly you're sweating. Like what, what happened? That's I've been trying to convince my wife. I was like, we don't have to live in Texas. And I normally say July and August, but now it's freaking turning to June. It's like we can go somewhere else eventually. And <laughs> I love Texas, but man, it's like, it really tests you for, you know, July and August. You're just like, come on. What do they call people who leave the the hot states in the wintertime to go up north? Do the do the people up north have words for that? Because we call the people who come down south snowbirds. Yeah, we call them snowbirds when they come down here, but I don't know yeah. what it is when you go up north. But I'm going to figure sweatbirds. Yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> I want to figure it out because, man, it gets brutal. <laughs> Oh God! All right, Paul. Why don't you uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I see that you used to work for a major Wall Street firm. Yeah, gotta it, know about that. Yeah, it was wild. Um, my story goes; it's pretty interesting. I grew up in a small town in South Dakota, which you know is in the middle of nowhere. If you don't know where it's at, just go like almost to Canada in the middle of the country. And grew up there, and I had this dream I wanted to play golf. So I ended up getting a scholarship and playing golf in South Dakota in college. So I was never really into MMA or jujitsu or anything. And I met this guy one day at. Uh, NCAA study hawks, you had to have that as a freshman so you wouldn't flunk out and get kicked off the team. So apparently the football players didn't pay attention because half of them got kicked out that first year. Study hall or school? Yeah, so, well, both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both. They wouldn't do their, you know, wouldn't even do their study hours. But so I oh, met this God. guy. He was, he was this, he just looked different than everybody else and he had this kind of swagger about it. When I started talking to him, we kind of hit it off and he was a wrestler. I was on the wrestling team. But he's like, hey, you want to come watch the UFC? I'm like, what is the UFC? And this is 1993 or 94. And I'm like, what is the UFC? Oh. We're talking VHS tapes. We're talking like, you know, crazy olden days <laughs> and he's like man right. i'm gonna fight in the ufc someday i'm gonna do all this stuff so you fast forward four years later he's gonna come to texas because back then you could only go to new york la or dallas and none of us could afford new york or la so we're like I guess we're going to dallas and so i'd graduated and he was going to school down here but he's only going to school to do jiu-jitsu or to learn jiu-jitsu and then try to get in the ufc and then 
moved out of Texas. It was awesome. Loved it here. And then a few years later, my friend makes it into the UFC and it's kind of like, oh my God, the whole world oh, is wow. changing. This is crazy. It's like, so I got to see somebody like build this incredible dream from the ground up and BFE uh, South Dakota. And it was like, it's just such an amazing story. And then he wins Ultimate Fighter 4. I get to travel all over the country with him. Who was who was your friend? Uh, Travis Luter. Travis Luter. He won the Ultimate. I watched a couple of those seasons of the Ultimate yeah. Fighter. They were fun Which, back in the day. I don't watch them much anymore. But the Ultimate Fighter 4, he was on the comeback season. So, And it was the craziest season ever because that's when him and Matt Serra won. And then Matt Serra actually knocked out GSP and took GSP's title. And then Travis almost beat Anderson Silva, but oh, didn't. Yeah, I mean, it was the craziest episode. Because you guys are all like scrappy veterans. Yeah. And so it was just a lot of fun. And I got exposed to jiu-jitsu and MMA. And jiu-jitsu led to me being a, coming a stockbroker because this is in 2001. I was just kind of doing odd jobs and I kept seeing this one guy that dressed pretty nice. And I'm like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a stockbroker. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I like stocks. He's like, you do? I'm like, yeah, I don't have any, but I mean, I, I bought some stuff in the past. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, do you have a degree? I'm like, yeah. He's like, bro, we're hiring anybody right now. This is, you know, in the dot com bubble. They were like, yeah, uh, they couldn't hire enough people. So I went in and they were like, you know, do you have a business background? I'm like, nope, <laughs> you know, but, but I have a degree and a good personality. And so I got hired and I did that for six years. And I tell people it's still the greatest job I ever had. Like I learned so much and I had so much fun and met such amazing people people. But then entrepreneurship kind of kept calling. You know, I was helping my buddy with his gym. My wife was like, well, maybe you should open a gym too. And then did that. And then one thing led to another. And then I was an entrepreneur. Just been, it's been a wild ride. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's step back real quick to yep. South Dakota. Cause yeah. I've met people from South Dakota, but I've never met anybody from North Dakota. And it actually makes me wonder if that ever, that actually exists. Like, have you ever met anyone <laughs> from North Dakota? This is, actually is, it's even crazier than that. I went, I'm so dumb that I went to the northernmost college in South Dakota. So I could literally almost see North Dakota. <laughs> and we actually had to play against two uh, North Dakota colleges. So yes, I can verify there are people up there, but it is literally the coldest place on earth. Like I, I could never <laughs> live there where I lived was bad enough. But I think if you look it up in the history books, like Minot, North Dakota, where the Air Force Base is, has recorded like one of the lowest temperatures on earth because there's no trees and the wind just rips through the plains. Uh, it's, it's horrible. I would never recommend it to anyone. I thought we'd get cold <laughs> in Illinois. Oh man, it's brutal. So what did you do as a stockbroker then? Like what Man, was this in Dallas or was this uh, like over yeah. where the actual exchanges is? Right no, now? it was in Dallas. Like we get to travel and stuff, but most of the time we were in Dallas, but it was such a cool thing because when I got hired, they were, it was just crazy. It was the, the, the top of the bubble, everything was going nuts. And so they were hiring people left and right. So I got to start off in different areas. So first start off like in service and just talking to people. And that was awesome to me because, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up lower middle class. My parents, all, only time they talked about money was when they were bitching about it and complaining <laughs> that we didn't have any of it. And I'm like, well, this sucks. Money's evil. And then I get this job and people call up on the phone and the, you know, their account pops up and I'm like, oh my God, this, is that, a, is that a, is there, that's a lot of commas. And then, and then you got nervous and then you start talking to these people and they're just regular people. And you're like, okay, this is pretty cool. And, and the more conversations I had, the more people I met, I was like, this is just, it's amazing. There's so much money in the world. My parents didn't tell me about any of this stuff. And then you just talk to these people and you'd get ideas and you're like, okay, I got to start investing. I got to start, you know, doing my 401k. I got to set up a HSA 529 accounts. It was like, it was the best job ever. And then from there, after, you know, then of course, nine 11 happens. And then we're mm. literally trying to not lose our jobs. Cause you know, the whole market was imploding. Yeah. And so got through that. And then luckily ended up, you know, making all the cuts when they were laying people off. And then I transitioned over into trading, which was, that was a blast. Like I had so much fun doing mutual fund and stock uh, desk trading. And then of course got into options and that was terrifying because it's, it's fun when you're doing options for yourself, when you're trading it for someone else. And this is back in 
2000, probably this is probably 2003, you know, the technology really wasn't that great. So you're having to put in all these weird orders and it was like super stressful. So I couldn't get out of that job fast enough. That was, that was terrifying. Were you doing that like on the phone or like, yeah. like that's when like people were actually in the exchanges and running orders are run by hand. Yeah, we were doing them on the phone. So we'd have like these high net worth customers would call up and they'd be like, hey, I need this, 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 and this. And you're just trying to like, oh my God, it's like, you're freaking out. You're like, I like the pay raise for being an options trader, but I don't want to put these orders in because, you know, they're super strict. You make a mistake and you get in trouble. You make another mistake. You don't work there anymore. So it's yeah, like, <laughs> you know, because you're messing with, you know, these, they're high net worth clients. So it's like, yeah, you don't screw up orders. And it was, it was, I didn't enjoy that at all. Did you ever copy any of their trades? No, no, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the money to do a lot of their trades back then. I mean, they would do some crazy stuff. Like what? Oh, like different straddles and, you know, and then we had one guy one time want to do like, and I still couldn't tell you how we did it, but do an iron condor back in the day. And I had to have like car help desk. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And they're like, oh no, no worry. We'll, we'll get so-and-so on the phone. And I'm like, anybody come help me. <laughs> you know, I, I'm good with regular options, but man, you start getting into that multi-leg stuff and right. No, butterflies and all yeah, those fun ones. yeah, I, I can't do it. I'll, I'll watch options exchange or whatever option action on CNBC. And that's about as close as I get to those anymore. <laughs> do you still invest today oh yeah oh yeah every day what do you like now man i've been beat down i'm an amazon fan so i've been getting, getting kicked in the nuts for the last four months yeah Talked to a few of those dude it's, yeah. it's rough luckily it's not crypto yo know, well, yeah i got i got that too that's where the mma stuff comes in handy i'm used to getting beat down and man this year's just been brutal because yeah. i was like crypto i just dabble with but like amazon's like my, my one of my main my favorites and i'm like this is my baby this is going to go to you know forever and then this year that apparently didn't get the memo when it's like they've just been like going down and down and i'm like oh cool the split will at least get some kind of a rally nope yeah. sold off again <laughs> so what hurts more a kick to the face or watching amazon amazon fall uh amazon falling yes I would <laughs> yeah agree. yeah a kick to the face you can recover from you're kind of like you shake yeah. up the cobwebs you're like that sucked amazon going down you're just like it's I like don't understand six this month beating <laughs> dude. It's just relentless. And you know, <laughs> finally it looks like we're getting some hope. Like today, the last couple of days have been nice. So it's like, Oh, thank God. Let's fix this. <laughs> so did you ever like study like fundamentals or, or technical analysis or any of those types of uh, things like to learn how to invest better or was it oh, yeah. just more of a, okay. So what, no, what, what did they put you through? Yeah, they put us through everything. It was so much fun. Like we learned all kinds of stuff. And then of course, fundamentals, I tried to do that. And I was like, I don't like this. I don't get this. I don't want to do these like things where you're trying to look at all this. And then so techno, I was drawn to technical analysis because I'm a visual person and I like to mm -hmm. think and shape. So I'm like, oh, okay, this mm -hmm. makes sense. So if, if this goes here and this goes here, then it's overbought and it's oversold. Okay. And then you can kind of at least see because especially if you're shorter term trading, it's like you have to know which direction the momentum's going. Otherwise you're just guessing. And if you guess wrong against the momentum, you're going to get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Can agree from experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. Like, well, it's like Amazon. I'm like, man, this, this is a recession proof stock. And I'm like, Apparently it's, I don't know what's going on. It's well, Dan, what was the story you just heard recently? Uh, we just talked about it in the last episode, I think about Amazon. Oh, they're, uh, uh, they're cycling through the entire workforce of available employees, Whew. like people that are of the proper age and distance within an Amazon shipping facility. Like by 2024, they're going to be run. They're just going to be out of people that they could possibly employ because they will have already employed all of them <laughs> and they've quit or fired. Uh, That's insane. The whole workforce yeah. it's so crazy i saw another one too like their their automation stuff they're doing it's just next level like they're not gonna you know eventually but the it's like when they get that's to, that's the idea right yeah it's like the, 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 the machines don't take that, breaks right? <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, it's crazy because we have an alliance. Or it's called Alliance Airport by us, and it's a big uh, corporate airport, uh, FedEx, UPS, and everything. And Amazon has just this massive facility there. And it was you know a few years ago, I'd be watching FedEx and UPS planes flying over, and now all I see are Amazon planes. So I'm like, okay, these guys really have it figured out. You know, yes, there's going to be bumps in the road, but it's like, man, I see more and more of these planes flying around. I'm like, they've what's going on? <laughs> where, where's this make some money? God yeah. Damn. <laughs> All right. So tell us all uh, the, uh, the MMA, like how do you, how did that help you? The MMA background? Man, so the heard background. A, a, we've heard a few different times, like just having like a, a just general sports background, like helps people when it comes to trading. Like I, I, I think it's the yeah. discipline. But. Derek Oldensmith was a world-class kickboxing champion. That's and he right. he yeah. runs okay. the trade desk over at T3. Nice. He says he likes to hire professional athletes or at least people who, who have fighters experience. Yeah. <laughs> Not oh, necessarily yeah. fighters, but like yeah. any professional sport. Oh yeah. No, it makes a huge difference. Cause I always look at like the people that I'm around that are just not as disciplined or as focused and, you know, going through and doing jujitsu, you learn to just to deal with like a crap ton of pressure. Cause it's, you know, it's like you're doing, everybody hates doing cardio, but imagine you're doing mm. cardio, but the, the treadmill's laying on top of you and it's trying to choke you. It's like, this sucks. <laughs> you know, this is hard. So in the beginning you just, you just get beat up a lot and you tap out a lot and then you're like, okay, I got to figure this out. So you start finding solutions like, okay, if this guy's smashing me, yes, that sucks, but that's not the, the average person's getting smashed and they panic and they try to push the person off, which is the last thing you want to do because then you get gassed out tired and then they choke mm-hmm. you even more. So you got to accept like, okay, this position sucks, but if I protect myself and you can't choke me or arm bar me, I can still breathe. I can get my heart rate down. I can find a solution. So you think mm. differently as you get more experience, like, okay, you know, breathe through it, figure it out and then react. Cause the average person wants to react. I think we see it a lot. Like we see it a ton right now. Like I have family members will be like, Oh, are you still doing stock stuff? And I'm like, yeah, I love it. And they're like, Oh man, I'm thinking about selling the markets down. I'm like, well, you're, you're an idiot. I'm like, right. cause they're family. I can say that. And then they'll be like, what do you mean? The market's down. I'm like, well, when are you going to retire? Oh, in 30 years. I'm like, you think, the prices are going to be higher in 30 years than now. I'm like, well, probably, but you know, I don't want to lose any money. And I'm like, well, if you sell at the bottom, you're going to lose you're a lot of money. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop, stop looking at it. You're locking it in. Yeah. It's the hardest conversation to have with people. And especially when it's family, cause you're just like, Oh my God. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, please don't sell. Like I have my aunt. I remember at COVID, she's like, Oh, the market's crashing. I'm selling everything. I'm like, no, please don't. I said, this is temporary. Unless, in a, unless it wasn't going to be temporary, then we're all going to die. And then don't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> Dude, she sold at the bottom, uh-huh. you know, and then I'm like, oh, how, you know, and then of course, you know, you go to Christmas time. It's like, oh yeah, did you see where the stock market's at? And then of course she don't want to talk to me no more. Right. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man, I was buying, you know, I spoke with my wife. I was, when it hit the, when it was March, when that, that one bad day where it was just brutal yeah. off, I was like, cause I have, I run business, I have my business. So I'm like, I can't dump all my money in the market, but I'm like, cause I had to keep some cash. Cause I'm like, I don't know how long we're going to be closed with the non-essential business BS. Mm-hmm. So I was like. But at the time, I was like, okay, we're buying Amazon, we're buying Apple. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had more liquid cash just to start <laughs> dumping in. I mean, because this is, you know, what was Apple back then? Like 98 bucks or something. It was insane. Right. You know, um, so, yeah, it was. And then, of course, we saw this massive rally for a year and a half, which was amazing. Um, yeah. With the Fed uh, uh, buying everything, basically. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> now, we're, now we're paying for that rally. Mm-hmm. How, uh, <laughs> how low do you think everything's going to go? Man, I hope we're getting closer to the bottom. You know, it's like, I think we'll probably get, you know, cause I love, love charts. So, you know, you get that mm-hmm. death cross the 50 under the 200 day moving average on the S and P. So it's like, man, as long as we're below that, it's like, who knows how long this is going to go, but it keeps every, I tell myself every, every day we get one day closer to that, to that ugly thing. Cause we'll get some rallies. Like we had that one, what was it like a week and a half ago? And then we're kind of getting one now, Yep. but 
there's so much downward pressure. A lot of these are going to be just bounces, you know, until we get yeah. that consolidation or the panic sell off, you know, which sucks. I've got my eye on the pre pandemic high as I think the bare minimum. Yeah. I, I think that what is, what's that put the S and P at? Um, uh, three thirty eight. 39 right around there oh yeah that's, that's another what 20 20 percent that's gonna be fun 10, 10 15 10 so, yeah oh, okay yeah. oh well, we can do that we can we can live through it well that's the minimum I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's also like, i think yeah. i just saw too today fat uh, powell said on a uh in his hearing that with hindsight inflation is definitely not transitory it's like mm. <laughs> foresight wasn't transitory either yeah but they're gonna they're gonna drop the gas tax that's gonna fix everything oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, nothing will get those oil profits up quicker yeah it's like they're gonna make a ton of money it's so crazy you just you almost feel like you're living in that one of those comedy shows you're like is this really our world it's like i just i don't get it it's hard not to watch the news because like i refuse to watch the news my wife wants to watch it but we always have cnbc on all the time at the house Mm -hmm. it's just like it's an addiction Mm -hmm. and i I joke around because like i wanted my family to grow up with a money mindset so like my kids have grown up like they understand cnbc they understand the market you know they understand the basic things so it's it's always on the house like family comes over people get annoyed like you want to turn the channel i'm like nope not till three don't, don't touch the remote. <laughs> How old are your kids? Uh, 19 and 17. Okay. What stocks do they invest in? Well, my son's kind of a knucklehead. He, he started off good. I mean, he was funny. Like, I was so proud. I'll never forget this. It's a funny story. So he came downstairs the day he had just turned 18. He's like, Dad, Dad, guess what I did? I'm like, what? He's like, opened up a Robinhood account, my own, it's my own adult account, blah, blah, blah. And I bought some Amazon. I'm like, dude, awesome. I did a great job as a dad. I'm so happy. Yeah. Next day, my wife's laughing. She's like, hey, Chase, tell dad what you bought. He's like, oh, I went and bought a lottery ticket. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you learn nothing? Did he buy AMC? No, no. He went, I bought oh, a physical lottery, lottery ticket. ticket. <laughs> I was like, bro. Going to be yeah, rich like, today now. Yeah. Bro, I was like, come on. You just set that money on fire. And of course, what don't happen, he won like five bucks. And so he's like, oh, oh this is great. Went and bought five more and then lost everything <laughs> i was like i was like dude come on but yeah so he does he does a lot of the basic stuff and but it was funny and it's it kind of makes you wonder this new generation these kids like the covid kids that didn't go to school for like two years and just did stuff online they're super advanced like he was asking me questions about option strategies the other day and i was like whoa calm down dude let's you know, get, get a portfolio first i said oh my, my friends are trading options on robin hood i'm like well yeah but that's you know if that's your only strategy that's that's pretty tough yeah but they got lucky, man. Was it what, for 2020 and 2021? They were making money. I mean, because like yep. you could just throw a dart and make money. Uh, yeah, I think what was that George used to say, our Trade Pro Academy guy that we like to talk to. He, he said that during that time, you could basically just type in your initials and buy it, and you yeah. make money. <laughs> oh, I regret. I'm I'm so regretful of not jumping on the AMC when it was doing what it was doing because I was or GameStop. I was like both those. I'm like this doesn't make any sense to me. And I, and I guess it was the boomer in me, the Generation X. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I'm like I can't buy into this thing it's worthless <laughs> but apparently you can make a ton of money it's short squeeze dude it was crazy i think it did it, it just defied logic but i guess that whole year defied logic right yeah 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 is the are your kids into roblox or any of those too or no no the, mine's into xbox oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can you imagine microsoft 2K. so he's buying microsoft huh he needs to yeah i need to talk to him about that it's like <laughs> like they, they want to play i'm like dude you're gonna be 20 it's like get off the xbox but then i remember i would play video games when i was his age so it's like oh, i still right. play him now i'm almost yeah. 40 <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have some escapes yeah, exactly <laughs> uh, 
Uh, back to jujitsu real mm-hmm. quick. I had an epiphany the other day. What is jujitsu based <laughs> off of? Because I have a theory. It's based like, off of the original guys that started. It was based off of how a smaller person could use leverage and angles to kind of subdue and basically exhaust someone bigger than them and then be able to finish them in a submission hold. Do they have cats? Cats? Yeah. No. You ever see a cat when it goes defensive? It just flips over on its back and then oh, sticks yeah, all yeah. its claws out. Like, <laughs> yeah. It looks like a jujitsu fighter. I'm yeah, like, it oh, does. Yeah. This where, this it's so from? weird because you're teaching people like jujitsu is so different because we we'll get wrestlers and people that come in, but learning how to fight off your back is like so not how we're wired to do things. That's why it's such a beautiful thing. Once you figure it out, the average person doesn't know what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. It's like this guy's on his back, and why am I losing? It's like I don't get it. It's like when you watch the first UFCs. I was watching. I'm like, oh man, that's Hoist Crazy guy. He's getting yeah. killed. This they're killing him. And I'm like, why, why, what? What do they do? They tapped. What's tapping? Oh my god, he choked yeah. him to death. Oh, that's he so choked, cool. He choked the one guy out with his clothes. It was yeah. amazing. The yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> It made no sense to me at the time. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And we still get guys that come in and they're trying to learn stuff. And it's like, learn. but when you learn how to fight off your back, I tell them, it's like, so you don't even have to get that good in class. You just got to be just average in class. If something ever happens to you on the street or a self-defense, situ- self-defense situation, you're going to have a huge advantage because mm-hmm. everything you do is backwards from what the human mind wants you to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it gives that overconfidence to whoever is attacking you. Yeah, yeah, they think that they're doing well, and it's like, oh, no, you're not doing well. <laughs> What's the instinct of the person who doesn't know what they're doing when they're fighting somebody who's on their back? Man, mine would be just stand up and just start kicking everything you can reach. Yeah, they'll, they'll, a lot of them are, they'll, they'll, they'll actually come down to the ground a lot and try to punch the person, which is like uh-huh. the, the worst thing you want to do, because in their head, oh. they're like, oh, if I get on top of this guy, I'm going to punch him in the face. But then in, you, you do that, and then they go into their guard, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff you can do from there, where the average person's just like trying to throw a punch, and they're exhausted because they haven't trained their body at that high of a heart rate and, you know it, and it gets crazy like i got to do some stuff it was so much fun back in the day i was training some air marshals and they took me out to one of the facilities uh in dallas and they were doing some different tests and they had like these crazy things they would do like they'd bring people in and they'd have you watch like this movie like oh it's this flight thing blah blah but it was all actually a setup to basically have like this scary thing would pop up and this crazy loud music to spike your heart rate and mm-hmm. then they'd have people watching it try to thread a needle oh and like the average person can't do it. Huh? Cause once your heart rate gets above, I think it was like 150 or 155, you start losing motor reflexes if you haven't trained. So like they, they teach these guys like, cause you know what, what these people are like overlookers from like other airlines are like, want to see how the process works. Like we have to be able to do things with a high heart rate and do us. So the guys wouldn't be like, Oh, that's okay. But then when they'd have to do it and they're trying to thread a needle, it's like, yeah, now imagine, you know, you're trying to fight somebody and shoot at them on an airplane. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, they would do crazy stuff, man. They would do like burpees and run and then, then go shoot targets, you know, never normal, like right. shoot cold, like, Oh, this is a nice, comfortable day and sit in the shade. These guys right. are wild, man. They do, they go run, do burpees. I'm like, man, I have a hard enough time shooting just normal, <laughs> but it was cool. So what's, what's your business now? I still have the one gym. Uh, one time I had a bunch of different gyms, but I, I still have one that I like. It's my baby. It's like my escape, you know, although I didn't like it very much in 2020 when they shut it down and <laughs> I had no money coming in. It was not a fun thing to have. Yeah. Um, and then we started like five years ago consulting for MMA gyms, which has been just a blast. And of course, you know, that was awesome until 2020. And then you're consulting for non-essential businesses that aren't that great balancing their money. So it was interesting, but it's coming, it's coming back now. And then, you know, my real passion, and it's funny, it just all kind of evolves. Like it it goes back to where everything started being a stockbroker and investments and money. So like Mm -hmm. I'm teaching these guys how to build their gyms up and make money. And then they're like, well, what do I do? I have money now. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's, let's have some fun. Let's, you know, 
set up a brokerage account, set up an IRA, set up an HSA if you can, and teach them the basic stuff about that and then showing them how they can invest stuff. And then they start building up money and then it's just so much fun. So I'm doing more consulting on that side of it. And we've hired coaches in the consulting company to do the the day-to-day stuff. Cause it's like before COVID, it was the easiest thing ever. It's like, yeah, open a gym, have some mats, run some good ads, have mm-hmm. an appointment setter, have a salesperson and teach really good classes. You know, make a bunch of money and, and just balance it out. But then obviously the last two years they've been rebuilding. So we hired coaches to kind of take that off my plate. And then now I do more of the, okay, you're at this level in your gym you know, what do your investments look like? What do your finances look like? And th- none of these guys have anything. And I'm like, all right, you know, <laughs> you're going to be 40 years old and you don't have an IRA, dude. It's like, come on. And they're like, oh, okay. So it's been super rewarding to see these guys like setting up accounts and sending you screenshots. I'm like, oh my God, I hit my first 10K. I'm like, yeah, it's just going to keep getting better. And then of course this year, I'm like, well, there's, there's a little bump in the road, but it's going to yeah. be okay. Dollar cost average. Read this. <laughs> yeah. So I tell them, I'm like, I'm like, hey, like, don't sell. It's like, just buy more. You know, do you still believe in this company? Yeah. Well, then buy more of it. And if you don't believe in the company, buy the S&P 500. Yep. You know, it's like, it's, it's not the hardest thing to do. The hardest thing is having the mindset and like the mentality, like you said, there's some days when the market's really down. It's like, I can't log into my account because I'm just going to get depressed. It's like, right. it's like, nope, not logging in today. It's like, today didn't exist. <laughs> Wait for another day. <laughs> there's nothing worse than pulling up, open up your app on your phone and just seeing red everywhere. You're just like, come on. Yeah. I haven't even looked at my retirement accounts this year. I have no <laughs> idea where they're at. Yeah. Just keep putting money into it. <laughs> Just, oh, I'll wait until we, we rebound. Then I'll take a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get through that because it's, yeah, it's been rough. It's easier to see it lower as long as it was green on the day. That's a weird thing, huh? It is true. Phenomena. Yeah. Just that green. Man, the human mind, and, and I think a lot of it's just the way we're not taught about money the right way. Like, you know, mm-hmm. especially like growing up, like I grew up, it was like, I didn't understand money or learn anything about money until I was 26 and I started working you know, as a broker, I'm like, Oh my God, there's so much money in the world. And then through jujitsu, I got to meet a lot of different industries. Like I'd meet doctors, lawyers, surgeons, police officers, all kinds of different people, pilots. And then you become friends with them and see how they talk to their kids. And they're talking about money and college and saving and planning. And I'm like, Whoa, this is not even fair. It's like, these kids get a huge advantage. Like my family was like, money sucks and you're never going to have any. And I'm like, well, that's not a good start. <laughs> Did your kids get any sort of financial education uh, when they went through school? No, no, not really. It was, they just it was ridiculous. learned everything through YouTube. Yeah, it was like, you know, and then, you know, through CNBC. And then like, I'd always make it a game to talk with my son about stocks and stuff. And so it's like, since he was a kid, he was, we've always been talking about different things like, oh, you know, Amazon's at this or Apple's at this, you know, would you buy this? And he's like, yeah, I use that. I'd buy that. And I just want him to understand like the basics of money. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. like he wanted to get a credit card at 18, of course. And I'm like, oh my God. It's like, but I was like, yeah, you have to start building credit. So it's like, get a card. And then I had, you know, I'm teaching him like, listen, you, this thing can never not get paid off the end of the month. I said, you can make a, make a payment like every week or whatever, but you have to zero this thing out every month. And so you don't get charged interest and all that stuff. So, so far so good, but we're not, we're only a few months into it. I wish that credit card, uh, at least that was covered in high school. Like something oh. explaining like how quickly that debt can snowball on you. It's insane. It's so fast. I was lucky. My mom was very good at, uh, at teaching that kind of discipline. I never, never carried a balance on my credit card if I could help it. In that's fact, huge. I never, never used it if I could help it. Yeah, I mean, that's gigantic. I mean, because a lot of people, they just rack up a ton of debt and then they try to figure out ways to get out of it the rest of their life and they can't invest because they're like, oh, I want to invest, but I've got too much credit card debt. And Dave Ramsey says, like, I pay all my credit card debt off. And right. it's like, well, yeah, but if you never start investing, it's like, what's the point of paying all your debt off? Because you're just going to be at zero anyway. <laughs> so it's, it's like, just start <laughs> investing, you know, start with anything. Right. Uh, so let's see here. It says you, uh, so 
So you like to talk to these different people about how to fix their finances, how to invest and all that. Where, where, uh, like, do you have like a, a CPA or a CFA or any of those sort of designations? Did you go back to school to get, uh, no, I don't have any of those. So I, I use all the proper disclaimers. <laughs> okay. like, you know, it's so like I, t- I tell all my guys or guys or gals when they work with us, I'm like, you know, you have a business, right? You're your business owner, correct? They're like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, do you have a bookkeeper? If they say no, it's like, all right, stop, get a bookkeeper. <laughs> you don't even have books. And they're like, well, I have a business checking it. And then I separate my business and personal expenses. I'm like, well, that's great. Congratulations. <laughs> it's like, get a freaking bookkeeper. So like, I'm really hard on people. I'm like, you know, you have to have a bookkeeper and an accountant because if you don't have those things in place, you know, then you're just guessing half the time and you're making mistakes. They're going to cost you a bunch of money later on or, you know, not having the education. So yeah, I'd make sure people definitely seek the right people for those things. Other than just not investing, like what are some of the other common mistakes you see from the people you do talk to? And they, they don't learn to pay themselves first is the biggest thing. They literally, they'll, they'll make more money and everybody's seen it. As you make more money, what do you do? You buy more stuff. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you, you go from driving a Civic to a Lexus or you go from, you know, wearing whatever shoes to nicer shoes or you buy a Rolex or something. And so they'll spend all their money. Like, I don't have any money at the end of the month. So to me, that's the biggest one is like, you've got to start paying yourself first. If, even if you're an employee working for a business, you can still do that. Set up an account and do a direct deposit out of your check that goes into another account. So you can use that for investing. Anything else? That- Man, that's the biggest one is, you know, not paying themselves first and then not having the basics, you know, having an IRA or if a 401k, if they're eligible for that, some kind of retirement accounts, and then going into do other investing after that, but covering the basics first, everybody wants to skip ahead. They're all like, Oh, I'm going to trade options or I want to buy in on this real estate syndication. I'm like, well, that's cool and everything, but you don't have the basics covered. It's like, you need to have all these things dialed in and then go look at doing the fancy, cool stuff, you know, cause that stuff takes a lot longer to materialize. What was that quote we liked, Dan? No one likes to get rich slow. Yeah. Nobody true. likes to get rich slow. It's perfect. It's that's how, that's the world we live in. Everybody wants it now, you know, give it to me now. Right. That's you know, and the, of course the Dogecoin millionaires didn't help any, but now they're all broke. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> none of them are millionaires anymore. Oh God. Who is the quarterback? I just saw uh, the one that plays for um, Jacksonville. He took his entire signing bonus in Bitcoin. Oh God. Yeah. I think it was something like 23 million. And it's worth like 8.5 right now. Oof. Yeah. Hopefully he's holding that sound. <laughs> That's what I wonder. Like, did he, did he get paid in Bitcoin and keep it in Bitcoin or did he cash it out immediately? Yeah. You wonder what he did, you know, and if he did, if he did keep it, you're like, hope it rallies back for him. Poor guy. He had to have kept most of it. Otherwise, why get it in Bitcoin? Yeah, I know. It makes no sense. Unless you're just hoping that it's going to spike on the day you get your check between the time you cash it. and <laughs> Right. <you> it. <laughs> Call me Which- old fashioned. I like to get paid in dollars and then buy my investment. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, yeah, definitely the way to do it there. It's, that's scary to put everything into something like that. But you just don't know. Mark Cuban was trying to do that with the, uh, the Mavericks, I think. He was trying to pay them in crypto. Like, oh, fuck that. Man. They're like, nope, make, give us our pay. I want to get paid in the Russian ruble. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> Wait, is the ruble still doing well? I was doing pretty well, actually, lately. I believe it's got to because I mean, it got hammered down. People were talking yeah, about that like it was a great zero. time to buy when it got super low. I was like, yeah, but I don't think I want to buy that. And I'm probably getting in trouble or get on some watch list or something. You're right. <laughs> we were joking about that too. Like, it's never been cheaper. Let's pick some up. <laughs> Let's pick some rubles up. 
I saw, oh God, I saw a tweet pop up the other day. It's somebody who convinced their family in Ukraine to send them their money so that way they could buy crypto for them to protect it against the ruble crashing. And then they said, like, the ruble's up like 5,000% crypto's down. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, they're not getting invited over for Christmas. It's no. like, <laughs> yeah, that be, just makes everything worse. That, that's, that's unreal. So, so I'm interested in uh, why you think everyone can become a millionaire. Yeah, I, I get a hard people I like, oh, I don't think that's possible. And I'm like, man, it's just it's math. Yeah, it's just an equation. Yeah, it's math <laughs> and time and just putting money in the market and doing it. So it was one, when I first got in as a broker, you're doing all these goofy trainings and everything, but then you're losing these compound interest calculators. And I'm like, you see the charts and the graphs. I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Why don't they show us this? And it's like, this is the easiest thing ever. And then you start putting it in. It's like, okay, $400 a month, 20 years at 10% interest is like 1.1 million. And it's like, can you do that? And people are like, oh, I could do that. But then what happens is people do it maybe for a year or two and they stop. So you have to make a commitment. Like I tell people, I'm on a 40 year plan, you know, since when I was 20, what, 26. So when I first started working there. And so it was a 40 year plan because that's how we did everything. It's like, okay, it's 65, 66, you know. So I'm halfway through that. And it's like, I'm not stopping and I'm not putting $400 a month away. I'm putting way more, I'm, I'm amplifying it because I want to have it when it hits just to be like, I don't care. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I believe 100% anybody, anybody can do it. I mean, you just look at the, the compound interest calculators and historical charts of the S&P 500. It's like, if you just ignore the market and really put money away and just keep doing it, you know, you're going to have a way better retirement than if you don't. That I think, oh God, what was the dollar figure? It was like $6,200 or somewhere around there for like, if you just put that into a 401k and just bought the index for your kid, like when they're born. Oh yeah. By retirement age, millionaire. Millionaire. That's it. That's yeah. all it takes. It's so crazy. Can you imagine if somebody would teach us these things? It's like, I would love to have been able to know that or done that for my kids when they were born. I wish my mom knew that. Yeah. It'd be great. <laughs> It's like, oh, I got this huge head start. But, you know, but a problem with people is like you have to give them that education and mindset, too, because, you know, it's going to happen with a lot of those people. They're going to turn 18 and they're like, woohoo, I'm going to go party and buy a car. And I know. right? It's like, how do you that's the, how do you teach people to not do that? That's the hard hard part. Isn't that like the age old question? Like, I mean, not to get too crazy with history, but like Genghis Khan and the Mongol warriors, like if they were raised in the terrible steppe plains, they were the most badass warriors. But as soon as they were successful and got raised in the cities, they were horrible. (laughs) (laughs) So like, like if if you're successful and then you like pass it on to your kids, you're, you're almost giving them a harder time. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Softer. and, And I'm seeing it right now. And it's, I've heard that, you know, that's actually a really good example, but I've heard the other one too is like, you know, if the first generation makes money, the second generation takes money and the third generation just ruins everything or whatever if you have money. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that, like, that's a horrible thing. That sucks because, you know, growing up without anything, the first thing you want to do is give your kids everything. And my wife and I mm-hmm. would talk about that. We're like, we got to stop buying them shit. It's like, you know, they're getting too many things. They're little brat that they were I'm like, I don't want them to turn into brats. It's like when they were younger, when they got a little bit older, I, you know, I told my wife, like, we're just going to start doing experiences so they can remember things and teach them how to travel, teach them how to do things. There and you go. hopefully, you know, things work out. And then like my son, he's, you know, 19 going on 20. And it's like, you know, Hey, yeah, it's like, I have these things, but these are mine. These aren't yours. And you know what, when we die, mom and I probably spend most of it when we're retired. So you better go make some money and learn how to invest. Cause if I hold his hand too much, like I, I have friends that have kids that are, you know, in their mid to late twenties, still living at home. And I'm like, I don't understand dude at 18. I was like, how do I get out of this house? Like, where do I, I'll go sleep anywhere. Get me out. 
Yep. Well, what's crazy is, is I think we were hitting a point too, where I think it was easier to move out when you were 18, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. 25 well, years Well, it was ago. definitely cheaper. Oh yeah. I was looking at the prices of uh, apartments, like in my old neighborhood, like the first apartment I had was a two bedroom, two bath. And that was like pretty decent. And that was like 600 bucks. So yeah, 600 bucks a month, if I remember. <laughs> yeah, that's correctly. not happening now. <laughs> no. I look at it now and I feel bad for, you know, our kids who are grown and, and, and on their own. And like, God damn, how are they supposed to be able to afford the rent that they're paying these days? It's unreal. Yeah, uh, it, especially since minimum wage is like not even, it's gone up maybe. <laughs> not, I, I don't know. It's like seven and a quarter when I was young. What is it now in Arizona? Uh, Twelve. And, a half. and that was just recent that they bumped it up. Like and I, I, through through voter referendum, mind you. Yeah, not, right. Because the legislature was where they were like, ah, everybody's too poor. <laughs> everybody's too poor. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. And it's like you have to teach these the kids have to learn how to do things because it's like it's they're living in a whole different generation where like I, I joked around like I never thought we'd see interest rates like this. I'm like, this is insane. We're not done yet. And I'm like, oh my God. Cause I remember people joking around about in the seventies, you could buy like bonds at like 17% interest. I'm like, that's right. impossible. That, that'll never happen in my lifetime. And I'm like, Oh shit, yeah. I'm going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What was the average interest payment in the eighties? Wasn't it somewhere around like 13% for like a oh, mortgage? Yeah. yeah. It was something crazy like that. Yeah. I was telling my wife said, if I see 17% bonds, I'm just going to start buying some bonds, you know, yeah. buy them all. <laughs> what's yeah. the longest maturity you have? Cause that's eventually going to go away. I mean, that's just free money at that point. I'm just yeah. waiting for banks to start actually giving us a reasonable interest rate. Yeah, they're like, nope, we're going to keep it. Yeah, it's so crazy. It, hopefully, the years of a quarter percent are done. Yeah, it was, you know, it was everything was so low. Now it's like, you know, the, everybody's dealing with the inflation and you know the interest rates, and it's just it's a crazy time. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the the government bond ten year yield. Where they at now? It's it's at three percent, just over three percent. It got as low as a quarter of a percent, but a if you go back to nineteen eighty one, it was at sixteen percent. Wow! It's like 16, holy, oh, man. wow! All right, man, if we hit that number, we're in trouble. <laughs> it's like <laughs> back to Reaganomics. Oh yeah, it's it's terrible. I don't know. I just I try to not to focus on all. It's like how can I? What can I control? It's like just keep keep buying investments yeah. and watch stuff and one thing too is learning how to buy puts <laughs> like okay right. this is yeah. this has been the greatest <laughs> lifesaver of all time it's like do you use them for protection or for uh speculation more protection than anything because man i think it's another thing like the mindset we're wired so weird like i'll buy them on amazon because i have a, a good amazon holding but at the same time i'll literally feel guilty when i'm buying it i'm like oh i can't believe i'm betting against amazon but then i'm like wait i have amazon i'm just trying to hedge against it going down but i'm like but it shouldn't go down and it's like this mental battle and same thing with like you know the s&p you feel bad almost like oh i'm betting on the market going down it's like the guy at the craps table that mm-hmm. bets against everybody yeah. and everybody hates him <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he's still winning. Yeah, what's that one called? It's like he. What's that line he called? You don't, don't you, come. Yeah, the don't come line. Yeah, it's like that guy pulls up and everybody's like, "Oh God, Boy, screw this guy." Yeah. <laughs> Fucking love craps too, dude. There's so much fun. God. The reason that everyone hates him is because he's such a downer. Like everyone's having fun and like yep. hooting and hollering, and then you get this guy who's cheering and everyone's losing. Like fuck that guy. And you know what's crazy? I'm glad you brought craps up too because people are like, oh, I can't believe you play craps. You know, you're, I'm like, dude, I said, craps will teach you a lot about investing because if you go to the casino mm-hmm. and you get there and you're playing and you just play the pass line, you can play forever and have a great mm-hmm. time and get free drinks. But what happens? Everybody's like, 
oh, what's that bet? Oh, you're betting the, the six and the eight, and then you're betting this and bet that. And next thing you know, you got like five bets out there, and then they crap out, and you're like, oh my god. And the same thing with investing is if you stick to the basics and your fundamentals, you're okay. But then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this and this, and then get fancy. Yeah, it all blows up. It's like it happens every time I play craps. I, I go in there at the game plan. My wife laughs. I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going in. I'm just going to play pass line, drink for free, have a great time, and then go see a show. And it's like, well, how'd you do? I'm like, well, I was up, and then I started betting the six and the eight, and then the, on the rollout, she's like, you lost, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, but I, I lost with what I planned well, I to lose. Fun. Yeah, I had a good time. <laughs> But it just reminds you of investing. It's crazy. Except investing is the opposite. If you stick to the, the, if you stick to the simple plan, then you should do all right over the long term. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just sticking to it. You know, it's just stick to it and don't deviate. So you don't like the numbers? Oh, I fucking love betting the five and nine, six and eight. Oh no, I do. I do. But it always it always bites me. It's like oh, you know. He just uh, said, Kyle. He can't help it. Yeah, I can't help it. I, I start off. I start those off the, like those like are the, the best bets, though. Oh. If you stick with the pass line and those, those have the best odds. Anything else it goes way down. Yeah, I get sucked into it. It's like every time I do it, because you get so hyped up if you get a hot table and you're having so much fun and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. they're doing that bet too. And it's like, okay, I'll do that too. And then, of course, you get the, the don't come lying guy and you're like, son of a, get out of here. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'll just go find another table. <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on, man, don't don't kill the vibe. But I always, you know, it reminds me of the discipline that you need when you're investing too. The same way as like craps is just sticking to things that you can understand and you can, you know, improve your odds basically. Mm-hmm. Do you play poker too? Uh, no, I've never gotten into poker. It's just weird because I'm in Texas and we have Texas Hold'em here and I've never really gotten into poker. It's funny because I think there's a lot of skills that cross over from being a good trader to being a good poker player. I think we've talked about that a few different times between bankroll management, pot odds, and like sticking to like strategies. Oh yeah, I love watching it. Like when, when that World Series of Poker get really popular and you watch like the finals and stuff like that, it's like it's so cool to watch because there's so much strategy. Like you said, it's, you know, you got to manage your money and then you got to know what you're doing, when you're going to do it, have your strategy. And it's cool, but I've never, I don't know. I've just never taken the time to really invest in learning about it. I think I've got like seven or eight books in my library <laughs> downstairs. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid that's what that's the guy's like, I don't need another addiction. <laughs> like, I know, right? It's like I got enough things. <laughs> so what are some of the things you like to do for passive income? So for passive income, that, that's the hardest one because I, I always feel bad like telling people about that one because we always see on online is scams. You know, we've, we've seen the worst ones and I was a part of, you know, the DeFi scams. Oh my God. It's like, oh, buy this and you'll get this percent money for, you know, every month. And I'm like, okay, now it's at zero. That didn't work out, you know, and it's gone. So I try to teach people when I, I talk to them about it. And that's another problem I run into because I'll tell people it's like, Oh, when I'm working with clients, I'm like, all right, this is the plan. What do you want to do? What's your goal, et cetera, et cetera. All right, cool. You got your bookkeeper, CPA, you got a brokerage account. You got somebody there you can talk to. All right, cool. We'll get this set up, fund all those things, but then create another account where you can build that up to do other things. Because when you start getting older and you start acquiring more and more assets, you other opportunities open up like crazy cool things. Like after COVID, I would go to these events and I saw these guys that were buying a bunch of smoothie shops. And I'm like, wow, that looks cool. I want to do that. How do you do that? So then I started Googling it. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I don't, I can't do that. And then go to the event, talk to some people. I'm like, Hey, you know, congratulations. That was cool. How'd you do that? Oh, so, so-and-so set us up with that. Oh, okay, cool. And the, you know, so I go talk to so-and-so he's like, oh yeah, we're doing this thing. And then you're like, oh, there's private equity. You can buy into these businesses passively where you have no say in anything. You just get distribution checks as the businesses build up. And then of course, real estate syndications are real big in Texas, which I'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of those because we had a rental house once and my wife wanted to kill me because you know, you're just constantly fixing stuff, chasing rent. And of course, people are like, well, you should have a management company. But I'm like, we had one location. I do a management company. Yeah. It's like, you'd have to have somebody to do it. And my wife didn't like, 
I was like, my plan was to do that and scale it up, but we did one and she was done. I'm like, okay, no, no problem. Yeah. So the syndications, you don't make as much, but you don't deal with all the stuff. You don't have any of the, yep. Yeah. So I love those here. Yeah. I got to put a new fucking roof on my house. <laughs> it just never ends. <laughs> right. And then people think I'm like some rich landlord. Like, no, yeah. I'm just trying to make ends meet, man. Like, yeah. I'm not the bad guy here. Like, man, cut me a break in this month's rent. You're like, really? <laughs> it's like, like I got to make the mortgage yeah. payment. What do you think happens to that house if you don't pay? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, hold on. Let me let me call the bank and see if they'll catch me <laughs> <Yeah>. a break. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. But those are my two favorites right now is private equity and then real estate syndications. What do you think about the real estate market going forward with the uh, rising interest rates? It is crazy because I was laughing with my wife because – in 2008, we didn't experience everything the rest of the world experienced, like California and Florida, where like the houses were like worth so much and crashed. We're like, oh, in Texas, we never had that. This time we do. And I was like, I would never buy my house for what it's worth. Like to me, I'm like, right. this is no freaking way I'm giving you that much money for this house that I live in. And I'm like, but then where am I going to move to if I sell this damn thing? I know. It's like, <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it's a whatever, catch 22, whatever. You're just stuck where you're like, I don't know what to do. And it's like, you have to, you want a different house, but then of course now the rates suck, you know, and they're, yep. who knows what's going to happen there. So I talked to one of the, I've got a couple of students that are realtors and, and pretty big into investing. And they're like, there's still a massive housing shortage, you know, even though the rates are up and everything's down, there's not as much volume going that there's still just not enough houses. So they are telling me that they don't see it. Of course it's their industry, but they're like, they don't see it changing for like the next five years. And I'm like, if that's true, you know, I'll, I'll be happy and figure something out and figure out a way to get out of this thing in five years. I don't know that I believe that. Yeah. We've got our, our sponsor, Sue. She does mortgages. And like I already can see that the books are the, the... I've talked to her about the business that she's got going on. You can already see everything dropping off. Like new loan applications have been in the gutter right now. What was the... I just saw a story too about one of the, the major banks laying off like a large percentage of their mortgage brokers. It's so well. crazy. Yeah. Like I, I think this is probably going <laughs> to cool it down at least if nothing else. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. I mean, cause houses, the returns we're getting on housing right now is just insane. Yeah. I like, just, I hope it's not another bubble person. Yeah. I would definitely go with a cooling off cycle versus a, Oh my God. It's in versus an 08 again. Yeah. We don't want to do that again. That was horrible. Yeah. That happened right after I bought my first house. I think. I mean, if you're sitting <laughs> over here without a house, 08 sounds great. Yeah. No, it does. It sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm ready for 08. Yeah, like, let me buy low baby. Dude. I bought three houses during that last crash and yeah, they all almost doubled in value. It was amazing. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I wish that's, I still had some of them personally. Yeah. But. <laughs> and that's how you go back to that old quote, you know, you, you buy when everybody's, um, was it buy when everybody's fearful and sell when everybody's greedy. Yeah. You know, and it's like when nobody wanted to buy house. the people that were buying houses in 2008 made a bunch of money. Same thing whenever there was a huge sell off, you know, it's the ones that are going in there, the crazy ones that are buying. Just need that technical analysis and figure out what levels are stepping in. <sighs> yeah, I'm all, yeah, it's it's rough right now, but it, it feels like you know, I mean, it, it feels better after. It's kind of like that when you pull off a band aid and it's like, oh my god, that hurt, and like, okay, it's getting better now. <laughs> but like I said, there's still some downside probably, but at least it's you know, oh, I don't know. Hopefully, it's not much worse than that number you had. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see when the next inflation reading happens. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> have puts on standby. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Let's see. Do we got anything else to cover here? I think we, I think we nailed everything. Yeah, we covered a lot of good stuff. That was fun. 
You talk fast. Sorry. Yeah. You know, I get Normally, this would take an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. People give me that, like, and it's funny because, like, sometimes I'll try to, like, pace it. But then if I'm having fun and, like, getting into a conversation, I talk even faster. And I'm like, because that's yeah. when I get excited, I just like, because I love talking about this stuff and I just go fast. <laughs> it's well, like, we got a little bit of time left. Let's talk about some fun stuff. Okay. Did you see uh, the Conor McGregor when he fought Floyd Mayweather? Yeah. <laughs> Why was it that an MMA fighter can't throw a boxing punch? It's, it, it's a different, you know, he was, he was probably closer than a lot of them. Honestly, it's just such a different, and it's weird. Cause when I was doing MMA and I'd go work with like a boxing coach, it was hard mm-hmm. because the whole time when you're doing MMA, you're worried about getting taken down. So your footwork's just completely jacked. For oh, boxing. So you're never getting like your hips and everything into it. Yeah. You never get set. So oh. that's like, yeah. So like when I would go to boxing class, I look like a, like a drunk kid on a skateboard. It was like, this is horrible. Cause I couldn't never set right. And they'd always give me a hard time. I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, I'm more, you're going to take me down. I'm like, we don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out why it looked like he was always punching with his arms. And then of course that just gassed him. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he was just there for the monster payday. He was, I mean, that was ridiculous how much money he made. I'll, I'll fight Floyd Mayweather for half that. Dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which one did it? Wasn't it Logan Paul or whatever did it? You know, it's like, <laughs> right. Logan Paul fought somebody. Yeah. You know, him and Jake, they're fighting all kinds of guys. It's crazy. They actually don't look that bad as boxers, which is kind of surprising. I know. Yeah, they're putting work in. If Floyd Mayweather fought uh, anybody in the uh, MMA, how do you think he'd do? Uh, under MMA rule set? Yeah. He'd lose. He's done. <laughs> without a doubt. I mean, because yeah. all you got to do is avoid, I mean, avoid the, the punches. You know, if, if the guy's a kickboxer, he has more of a chance, like an Anderson Silva type guy who can hurt you with like punches, knees and kicks where Floyd, it's just like, just don't get hit. It's like how fast can, there's a, there was a famous fight back in the day when that this one guy came in he was a legendary tie fighter, like amazing. Mm-hmm. Just, and literally the bell rang and the dude was a wrestler. He literally ran and just ran him into the cage and tackled him. Right. Cause he was like, he's like, I'm not going to, and afterwards he's like, I'm not going to, kickbox with this guy he's like i'm gonna tackle him high school kids but he's like he's like you think i'm an idiot it's like that's what he's good at i'm gonna put him on his back where he can't do things so it changes the game a lot takedowns it's, just, mm-hmm. it's the great equalizer like hoist gracie proved yeah. right yeah i mean it's like little skinny dude <laughs> other than uh brazilian jiu-jitsu what's the what do you think is the other most legit fighting style there is uh, uh muay thai kickboxing for sure Oh man, you ever watch those Ong Bak movies? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> those are fun, <laughs> dude. I've been to Thailand and and watched you know over seeing the fights over there and stuff, and it's just a crazy different world to them. It's like a religion. It's it's nuts. Like I've been to Brazil a bunch for jujitsu, mm-hmm. but man, going to Thailand is just crazy, oh, it's all- dude. It's like that's a it's a religion. I mean, yeah. it's nuts. I, I think I remember watching. Ah, uh, oh, God, I can't remember who the guy was. It was like these two guys that that study MMA and they go around like oh, they, they traveled all around. Styles. Yeah. I watched yeah. that show too. They traveled all around and did different styles. They'd they have did to go the, fight. Yep. They did the Muay Thai one. And like that one was just looked brutal. It's just brutal. It's like, it's so crazy how brutal it is, but they make it beautiful there. And it's like the guys fight a lot because they, they know how to fight within the rules. And it's almost like they agree upon. They're not going to kill each other for the first two rounds. And then like rounds three, four and five, it's just on. <laughs> There's a lot it's, of ceremony to it too. I was surprised to see tons, tons. It's so wild. It's like I said, it's literally almost like a religion. Like they, they love it there. Like you got to wake up and smack your shins against the tree for an hour. <laughs> no, that's blood sport. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you my, my first trip when I was tra- back, when I was training harder, when I was younger, my first trip to Thailand, 
And I was like all excited, you know, because there's not that many white people going back then. This is probably shoot 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I get there and they're like, like, oh, okay, we we have we westernized a little bit of the training, so it won't be so bad. Blah, blah, blah. They say, okay, first thing we start the day with a five mile run, it's optional. I'm like, I like the word optional. <laughs> it's like you it's like I've never trained with you guys. Trained, you know, and it's gonna be because they train twice a day when they're in their training camps. So they'll train twice a day. The first session in the morning is like two to three hours, and then the night session short is like an hour and a half to two hours. I'm like, there's no freaking way I'm running you know, five miles before you put me through that hell. <laughs> it's like, I mean, they're brutal. They, and they, for them, it's fun. It's a warm up. They run five miles just to get loose. And I'm like, dude, if I run five miles, I'm, I'm done for the day. It's over. I don't think I could even do it. If I run five miles, somebody's picking me up at mile two. Yeah, it's insane. Like, the work, <laughs> dude, they're, they're the most conditioned people I've ever seen. I mean, it's just like going there was just such an eye opener. I'm like, this is such a cool place. Which movie do you think best gets uh, the, the fighting right? <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if any of them really do. Um, there was a series. Oh God. There was a series that was on HBO and it was actually, it was decent. I can't think of the name of it now, but they had a series on HBO where it was like this family and they're an MMA family and fought. And it was probably the closest to accurate. I'm like, Oh, this is actually makes sense. You know, they're doing their training, they're doing these things and that. And I can't think of it for the life of me. What was that one that had the, the guy from Paul Blart mall cop? Oh my God. A yeah. He fighting movie. Yeah. He yeah, produced he, it. Yeah. He's Kevin all friends James? with like a bunch of, yeah. yeah. He, Kevin James is friends with a bunch of UFC guys and he produced it and did the whole movie. How did that one uh, stack up? Oh, he, the, that one was, it wasn't bad. I thought that one didn't seem all that Here bad. Here comes like, the boom. Yeah, yes. that one. Yep, yep, yep. Here comes the boom. You know, and it was like, it's cheesy. It's a comedy. But yeah, it wasn't yeah, bad because was he's fun. a huge, yeah, he's a huge fan. So anything people can do to, to get more eyes on the sport and awareness on the sport, I think is great. Even mm-hmm. if the movie sucks. It's like, <laughs> it's like, just get more eyeballs on it. You know, it's like Connor, like people love or hate him. But man, he changed the game. These guys, you know, the paydays, I mean, they still suck. But, you know, the guys right. that are in the upper... 10% they're making life-changing money, you know? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. eventually we're gonna get to the point where the guys are making money they deserve. Right. Oh, I, uh, I used to manage a desk at a hotel and we had a guy come through every time he was on a way to his fight in Phoenix. He, he lived in like rural Southern Arizona and he was like the on-call guy, like that if somebody couldn't make the fight, you'd call him up and he'd show up to fight. And <laughs> It's a rough he, life. Yeah. He, right. But he loved it. Like, and he was like telling me, he was like, it's now at the point where I can make this much. Like, he was making not like a ton more money than me, but he was making a little bit more money than me. And he was probably working. I mean, obviously his workouts every day, but like, he, he probably did two, two fights a month. Yeah. That, that's a lot, though, on the body, though. It's like your body will break down so much after that. That's, that's a hard, that's yeah. a tough you can't You can't keep that going, huh? No, no. The best. Well, plus, you, you have no idea who you're fighting, too. So yeah, yeah always... in those situations, yeah. Like yeah. These other guys, they get like a full training camp. Like a lot of your top guys, they'll fight two, three times a year. Mm-hmm. It's like at the most because they start. You got some younger guys. Like we've got my coach, Travis. He has a guy in the UFC now, Kevin Holland, they call Big Mouth because um, he's so loud, but he's funny as hell. <laughs> but he fought during COVID. I want to say he, he like set some record. I think he fought seven times, which was nuts. But he wow. didn't take. He's really good at not taking damage, you know, mm-hmm. where. You know, if you take a lot of damage, it's a whole different story. But yeah, it, it's it's definitely hard on the body after a while. I noticed with boxing, like as soon as one person gets, as soon as you get knocked out for the first time, like you're just never the same after that. Yeah, once you get that big knockout, they talk about. Yeah, yeah you, you don't want that one. Yep. Yeah, because that that's okay. hard to come. You see legendary guys that when it happens to them, they're never the same guy again, which yep. sucks. Well, yeah, the brain's like, yeah, the brain's like, no more. Just scared. Yeah, it's like no more. We're done. <laughs> well, I think it's both. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think it's both. Yeah. I think the 100%. brain, the subconscious, remembers and reminds you. Hey, yeah. rem- hey remember, remember that time? Remember yeah. when everything went dark? When you turned <laughs> me off? Yeah, we don't want that again. <laughs> yeah, the, the subconscious <laughs> is so powerful too. It's like it doesn't forget. No, <laughs> can't lie to your subconscious. No, no, it'll get you. You try. <laughs> All right, Dad. We got anything else we need? Uh, we need to cover here. Uh, just Paul, where can, uh, where can people find you? Uh, my favorite place is Instagram. Uh, you can go to Instagram forward slash P A U L period H A L M E. It's on a social media. It's my favorite place. Facebook's just kind of become this disastrous place. I try to avoid oh, those. Yeah. It's just yeah. a toxic wasteland. It's like you get in arguments with people and you're like, why am I even talking to this person? It's like, I don't even, yeah. ugh. There's people on there that are just addicted to arguing. They are. And it's like, sometimes you think, is this person real? Are they a bot? And then you find out they're a real person. You're like, man, your life's even worse than I thought. It's like, if you have that much time to just sit there and and just trash on people. So Instagram to me is just a happier place. People post like pictures and I love stories. See what people are doing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, A lot of butts. <laughs> yeah, you got that too. Like, but yeah, Instagram is a, is a cool place. Um, then my website's uh, p a u l h a l m e dot com. You know, I have updates and do a lot of blogs on there. Different things I'm doing. But Instagram's where I like to post a lot of fun stuff and give away different tips and stuff. Also, what's the name of your book? I don't think we even mentioned it. Oh really. yeah, the, the book that would relate is the Money Fight. Um, yep. So I was talking about, and it's on Amazon. You can grab that. It's on Kindle and paperback, uh, and it just goes through you know the second phase. Like my first book was about how to open a gym and make money, and this book was basically the roadmap for guys when they're making money, how to get started investing. You know, basic investment terminology, and then different paths they can take to start building up financial freedom because if you don't start you're never going to get it mm-hmm. yeah best time to start is yesterday <laughs> yep yeah yesterday <laughs> like just keep doing it every day mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. paul this has been a blast i don't think we talk nearly as much about stocks as we usually do but <laughs> it was still a lot of fun for us <laughs> i'm sorry uh, <laughs> right. we talk more about amazon <laughs> No, that's been a beating. It's going to get better, though. It's going to get better. Right, I keep telling right. myself until they or stop flying all those planes. Dollar cost average in. Just yeah, exactly. If you still like it, keep yeah. buying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and especially after the split, it's like, you're like, oh, it's not even that much anymore. That's it's what like, I love about it now is now I can actually trade options on it. Yeah, the options changed so much on that thing. They were crazy. Like 20K for one contract. Yeah, you're like, no, I'm good on that. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to not do that. Yeah, now the the options are way more reasonable at this rate. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, we'll have links for everything in the episode description. So anybody listening can go check those out. Make it super easy for them. Uh, Very happy to have you on, Paul. Uh, that was fun. Gotta get. Uh, I'll, I'll send you a link to our Discord too for your boys. If they want okay. really want to learn more about options. We'd be more than happy to awesome to, to help them out. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Show them what not to do. Yeah, it's like here, yeah. here's the different things. <laughs> we're, we're like the home improvement of investing. I love yeah, it. Right? Trading. <laughs> I love it. Let me show you my accountant. This is what you don't want to do. Don't do this. <laughs> the starting number is lower than the number it is right now. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. We want the other way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All right, f- folks, thanks for sticking around to the end. We hope you've had as good a time as we have talking with Paul today. Paul, Paul Holmey. We'll have all of those links in the episode description. There's books, his blogs. Check them out on Instagram. Uh, we'll be coming at you pretty soon with a regular episode. But until then, happy trades. Goodbye.
Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.